We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me again, my international friend, Jack Manuel. How are you doing, Jack? Good, Nick. Um, we had a win, so I'm happy about that, but we also had a loss, so not so happy about that. Yeah, let's get right to it. You know, it, we're feeling a little bit better than last pod. At least we ended the losing streak. Like you said, we got a win, one and one in the back-to-back. You know, Monday night, we pick up a 98-92 win over the Phoenix Suns on the road. First road win of the season. D'Lo was clutch in the fourth quarter. Defense picked up. What were your thoughts about that game? The fact that we could actually defend Nick, we could actually show something on the defensive end, was just the, the highlight for me. You know, we held the Suns to 34.9% shooting in a 98 to 92 win. Um, the fact that, you know, the last game that we had with them at Barclays, it was a bit of a shootout. And the fact that we could grind out a win showed that. You know, we can do it gritty. Um, that sort of Brooklyn grit that um, Coach Kenny likes to preach. Um, Joe Harris, for me, was an absolute highlight with D'Lo. You mentioned D'Lo. You know, those 13 points. 13 of his 23 coming in the fourth. But Joe Harris with 18 points. Um, I, don't, I don't know what he's been. He's been drinking something. Something is Kool-Aid. Something is Gatorade. Because um, he's been killing it. Yeah, good things have happened when Joe Harris has been on the floor for the Nets. Like you said, he's just... I don't know what it is. He just seems to always have the right energy when he comes onto the floor. And right now, his offensive rating is 118, which is one of the highest on the net. So, obviously, something's running a little bit smoother. He knows the sets. He's doing his thing. He's not a great defender, but he seems to be in the right place a lot of times and at least, you know, put up a contest. But like you said, it was nice to see the Nets on a night. Their offense has been bad. You know, the rhythm, you can just know from the first first play of the game, the rhythm is just off. Things are not running smoothly. They're not getting enough easy baskets. So, it was good to see the defense picked up. We mentioned it off air. Karis LeVert really stepped up on the defensive end. Alan Crabb definitely had a nice defensive game against the Suns as well. Crabb picking up the blocks. Karis picking up the steals. When the team plays high energy on defense, obviously the fouls were an issue, but it's okay if they're putting in the effort to try to be a good defensive team. I'd rather see them foul a lot 
in an effort to be good defensively instead of playing terrible defense and not, you know, putting in any effort and getting bad fouls. At least these fouls are in terms of like trying to make plays on the ball. Yeah, definitely. And I think another thing we mentioned in the last pot as well, Nick, was the the rebounding battle. Um, despite the fact that we lost this one, it, it remained relatively even, you know, 61 to 65. Um, if we can sort of maintain that, it allows us to get into our offense a, a lot better, a lot quicker. And, you know, that rhythm becomes a lot easier rather than just, you know, seeing the ball um, go to the opposition for second chance possessions and letting them sort of get into their offense a lot easier. We also took care of the ball a lot better. Um, you know, 16 turnovers. It's not like a, an astronomically low number by any stretch, but for our standards and, and the way we play basketball, I, I thought that was really nice as too. Yeah, I think 16 is a number I'm okay with, you know, about four a quarter. So I think that's okay, especially like you said, at the pace they play at, the amount of young players they have. But like you said, the rebounding battle was important. You saw the guards really attack a lot more rebounding-wise, the wings getting involved a lot more. And I think it's a lot harder to kind of rebound when you play small ball. So it's got to be a team effort. So that was good to see. It just requires a lot of energy. It does. And it requires energy, like, for 48 minutes. You can't can't have any lapses. Um, and I think that was the, the good thing, that it was there for 48 minutes on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, it wasn't the prettiest of games, but um, if you get the W, it doesn't matter. Exactly. And you could see the lapse in focus in the loss to Denver. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's talk about D'Angelo. No, he had a nice game. Not only he would facilitate it really well in this game, he had a couple really disgusting passes. Like you said, 13 of his 23 in the fourth quarter. He came on when we needed. What were your thoughts on him in the Phoenix game? Look, it's my love affair with D'Lo just continues to grow. Um, I'm always going to be a D'Lo defender until the day I die. I think he's slowly, game by game, learning to, to fit into what Coach Kenny wants, learning to find how his sort of his style of play, his personality fits into the system. And um, our boy Anthony Puccio on Twitter said that after um, one of the games, he had a, had a word to D'Angelo about the fact that he was sort of overthinking things. Um, and quote, he said, we actually had a long conversation in my room. Uh, at the end of the day, he's just trying to feel his way in, coming from the Lakers where it was all open one-on-one. He's trying to fit his way in, know when to attack, when to make the play. And I think um, that Suns game showed how we can have both what both ends of the floor like you know that 13 point performance was D'Lo doing his thing one-on-one doing like getting you know what time is it's D'Lo time the ice in his veins was on but then at the same time he was passing the ball well like you mentioned Nick so I think um this kid's young we mentioned all the time about his youth but I'm all in on um D'Angelo and I'm, I can't say enough good things about him especially about this performance even when he has those down nights um, as long as his energy still there that's what I want to see yeah, I mean, he's shown flashes. I know some people are still, like, upset with the turnovers, and he's really struggled from three-point uh, three point line. I think he hasn't hit a three since the Laker game. But, you know, he's shown flashes in these games where you're just excited for the future, like the bounce pass I met you, the finish at the rims, the handles, just running the show. Like you said, it's just about finding that right bounce between attacking, passing, and getting a feel for Kenny's offense and getting a feel for his new teammates. Like we've mentioned a million times, he's only 21 defensively he just needs to pick it up he needs to put the effort in a little bit more and the mental focus isn't always there but offensively the flashes are there and the excitement for the future is definitely you know a lot big, bigger than it was last season yeah but what do you think about alan crab we talked about a starting lineup change on the previous brooklyn buzz podcast we mentioned maybe it was time to put lavert on the bench add maybe dinwiddie or crab and you know they decided to go to crab in the starting lineup and it worked out pretty well he had a big game 
20 plus points, picked it up defensively. What were your thoughts on him in the starting unit? Yeah, I liked it. I like Crabbe the starting unit because it allows us to to play our offense to the best of its ability. And when Crabbe is engaged defensively, like you mentioned, Nick, a couple of those blocks were really nice. Um, it allows us to to play both ends of the floor at, at a really high level. Um, you know, he's our best three point shooter. Um, he's one of the best three point shooters in the NBA from last season's numbers. Um, and so, you know, he was quite good from from the perimeter, but a lot of the time, defense comes to offense. We mentioned that in our last pod in terms of, I think Karis Levert's going to see uh, an uptick in his offensive rate just due to how good he was and how good his defense has been in the last game or two. Um, with that, you know, all it takes is one game and then comes two games, comes three games. So, you know, it's all about momentum, all about getting those reps. Exactly. Well, enough talking about the nice things that happened. There was some bad news in that game. Rondé banged knees with, uh, I think it was Alex Len, ended up missing the rest of the Phoenix game and the Denver game. What are your thoughts on Rondé's injury and how much does this hurt the team, him not being there? That's huge, Nick. Um, for me, I'm, I mentioned in our last pod the fact he's been our, probably our most consistent performer. Um, he's one of our better defenders. Um, he's also, in terms of our lineup flexibility that we mentioned and, and we harped on quite a bit, uh, it makes it a bit tougher. Yes, it allows us to space the floor a little bit because Rondo obviously doesn't have um, that three-point shooting ability. But his activity on the defensive end, his ability to guard bigs, um, he's one of our better big guard defenders, uh, big uh, big man defenders, sorry. Um, so it certainly hurts our depth as well, especially not having Booker back yet either. But luckily we had AC um, who came back, who's come back in the last couple of games. Um, any injury is a good but um, it doesn't look too serious, so you know, that, that's always a positive. Yeah, and the injury, he banged knees, but it ended up being a hip contusion. So, Rondé, he, he was definitely missed. I mean, you saw it last night in the Denver game and in the end of the Suns game. He just brings that energy, and like you said, defensively, not only is he one of our best defenders in terms of, you know, bigs, he's also one of our best defenders in terms of wing players. You know, Moskov, we mentioned, even though he's bigger and has a lot more size to him, he just doesn't move well. So, Rondé at least puts pressure on these guys, swipes at the ball, so missing him really hurt, and the energy was evident, especially on the defensive end with him not playing last night in that 112-104 loss to Denver. Yep. What were your thoughts on that game to the Nuggets? Obviously, you know, coming off a of back-to-back, going to Denver, you don't necessarily expect to really win because, you know, the Nuggets are a good team. They're trying to get things going. The Nets are a little banged up. But you expect a better effort than what we saw last night. Yeah, I think the disappointing thing was, Nick, that our turnovers, um, you know, creep back up right again. And the fact that they hit a, um, a season high for us, you know, 25 turnovers. D'Angelo had six himself. Um, and the fact that Denver punished us um, off those turnovers led to 27 points. You cut a couple of those turnovers down, then, you know, the Nets are right back in it. Um, but at the same time, I thought the scoreboard flattered us a little, flattered us a little bit. You know, towards the end, we sort of got some junk time points. Um, but yeah, turnovers were the biggest issue. And I think Damari Carroll mentioned himself, he's like, our defense is pretty good, but we just kept turning it over and they got easy offense. Um, I think that summed up the game pretty much. And obviously, Jokic, um, yet another big destroying us. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the offense first. Like, the offense has just been out of sorts for what it seems like six games now. Like we said, even in that loss to, I mean, that win to Phoenix, you know, things were not running smoothly. What do you think is the main issue right now with the offense? Is you know Booker's out, but he's not a huge offensive player. Allen's out, he's not a huge offensive player. What do you think is the main culprit of you know hampering this offense that started off so hot? 
I think it's rhythm, Nick. I think it's, um, you know, getting off to a good start, seeing the ball go in the basket. Um, D'Angelo, obviously, being the our main ball handler, he has some very high usage numbers. You know, I, I think top five in the NBA, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the Nets normally aren't used to that. You know, Brolo last year um, barely cracked the 30% mark and D'Angelo's at about 35%, uh, 34 35%. So I think D'Lo's still finding his way and having a guy that, you know, not hogs the ball, but, you know, has so much attention over the ball as the primary ball handler. And, you know, D'Angelo sometimes can uh, do some silly things. We've got young players that just do silly things. Um, and I, I think a lot of the time we rely very heavily on the three-point shot. And at this stage, it hasn't been knocking down. Um, in fact, we're, we're 25th in the league at 33%. So, and I don't, I think in the past few games, we've barely cracked the 30% mark. So when that three point shot isn't falling, um, we struggle um, to sort of generate much offense. Um, it sort of seems like there's times where it's three point or bust. Um, we're, we're good at getting to the line because we're actually the number one team in free throw attempts per game. But when we get there, we only nail 75% of them um, at 24%, at 24, we're 24th, that's 24th in the league. So um, there's a number of, of reasons, Nick, but I think um, the sort of free throws, uh, our, our three-point shooting uh, are a big part of it. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head, though, when you said the rhythm. Things just look out of sorts. Nothing seems to be running smoothly. Guys are not coming off uh, screens clean. Defenses are ready for what they're trying to run. And I think sometimes, like, the Nets get locked on so much on their first read. Like, sometimes you'll watch D'Angelo have the ball at the top of the key, and they'll be working so hard to get Allen Crowd the ball. Like, hey, if the team wants to overcommit to Allen Crabb, you know, at the three-point line, you need to find another way to attack. You know, the other side of the ball needs to move. That guy who's setting the pick needs to roll to the rim. I think some of it's just, like, ball watching. Yeah. Especially last night in Denver, I felt like there was a lot of ball watching, a lot of, like, all right, he's running the pick and roll, I'm just going to stand here type of thing. There wasn't much movement. And like you said, the three-point shooting, some of the three-point shooting is not just missing shots. It's also starting the game off with bad shots. You know, if you're, you're going to be out of the rhythm <clears> – <throat> Excuse me, you're going to be out of rhythm if you kind of shoot bad threes to start the game. You're taking contested fadeaways, step backs. You know, it's probably not going to really work out. But if you're taking good open looks, you know, there's a better chance you're going to hit the shot. So I think some of that's that. The teams are closing out a little bit harder on the net, so they really need to attack the rim. It just hurts that they don't really have a lot of bigs that can finish around the rim. And you mentioned Jokic dominated the nets and we mentioned this on the pre the first Brooklyn Buzz podcast. Bigs were going to be an issue all year. I know you got some stats for us on that. Six players, Nick, have scored 30 points or more against the Nets this season, and five of those are bigs. Vucevic scored 41, Aaron Gordon scored 41, Porzingis scored 30, our boy Brolo scored 34, and Jokic last night 41. And he, in fact, uh, outscored our entire starters 41 to 40. So um, a little bit embarrassing for our starters there because, you know, if we didn't have you know, Tyler Zeller, um, I liked Isaiah Whitehead off the bench um, a little bit as well. He sort of filled up his box shit nicely. But um, our, our bigs haven't been great there, Nick. And our net at, in terms of our front court as a whole, um, the Nets have allowed opposing front court starters to average 34.4 points on 55.7% shooting. So um, not great numbers by any stretch. And I think they're hurt even more by the Rondé Hollis-Jefferson injury. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned on the last pod, Moskov, Pick and rolls defense is just terrible. He's stepping back so far. Teams are just having so many options when he's out there. 
in pretty much putting D'Angelo and Moskov in a pick and roll, it's just an easy way for the other team to score. No, we mentioned D'Angelo is not a great defender. Even when he puts in the effort, having somebody like Moskov on the other end, it really doesn't matter. So I think that's just something they need to address or teams are going to kill them. And I mentioned this in the last pod. I think sometimes the Nets need to just start sending double teams. Like when you're getting destroyed by a player like Jokic was destroying them, he was hitting everything. I think they just need to give him more attention. Yeah, I think we need to. That needs to happen sooner rather than later, Nick. Especially now, without Booker and without one day, um, you know who is our defensive guy? Um, we don't really have one, especially down low. Um, Tyler Zeller was was good on the offensive end and sort of made him made Jokic pay at times on the other end because Jokic himself um, is by no means a defensive sword, but. Um, we need someone there to sort of do something, um, whether, you know, one of the wings sort of comes in and helps because um, I guess it's hard against a Denver team who's um, quite good from the perimeter. They've got a, quite a number of um, decent three-point shooters. But, you know, if you go all in against maybe the Magic, but I guess the Magic have been hot as well. So I guess it's a sort of um, uh, a need-by-needs basis. So depending on the matchup, depending on who they're leaving, um, what man they're sort of leaving out there. Generally, um, not every team has an Andre Robeson, a guy who can just sort of leave there and, you know, he, no, he's not going to be no threat. But uh, most of the time, a, a team might have one of those sort of guys. So it's about um, assessing the situation and reading it a, a little bit better. Yeah, I think going into games, they need to be willing to help a little bit more. And like you said, obviously, teams are going to have three-point shooters. So, you need to kind of work on your rotations, have your, your stats ready, your analytics. You know, who can I sag off? Who shoots well where? You really need to do your homework because, like, even if when Rondé's back and Booker's back, they're not elite defenders in the sense where they're going to lock anybody down. You know, obviously, Kristaps is a unicorn, but he dropped 30 on Rondé's head. Like, he was on him most of the time. So I think at some point there just needs to be some adjustments defensively in what they're trying to do. I think right now they obviously have a lot of problems, so they're probably just trying to simplify things. As the season progresses, hopefully defensively, they're kind of able to add some more wrinkles. Yeah, and I mean, the the telling stat for us, Nick, is that despite the fact that we're second in points per game with 112, we're also last in the league in points against per game at 116. So um, that, that Suns game certainly helped us. But then again, when uh, we allow guys to go off for, for 30-40, it generally leads to uh, a big scoring performance overall for the entire team. Yeah, and it's not like these guys are known for these type of games. Like Jokic was a career high, Vujicic was a career high, Gordon was a career high. So you're allowing guys to kind of hit career highs. That's kind of an issue. Obviously, some of that comes with the the pace and that's play at. That's why a lot of the uh, per game stats are going to be really high in because they play at such a high pace. But still, you know, you need to step up and kind of force the other team to beat you in different ways. Definitely. Anybody else stick out for you in a positive or negative way in that game? Anybody who was just real bad or real good that you want to give some love to or hate? I mentioned in passing um, Isaiah Whitehead, who made a return from the the G League, um, filled up the box score with five points, four assists, two rebounds, two blocks, and four steals. Um, We mentioned how Karis LeVert with those five steals looked really good. Um, I think Isaiah... uh, He's certainly putting his name up there with putting up a performance like that, especially in very limited minutes. And, of course, Tyler Zeller, um, our highest scorer for the night with 21 points, um, especially because our starters weren't getting the job done. So our bench sort of had to sort of lift up the slack. And and Spencer Dinwiddie has hit a bit of a roadblock somewhat. So I think um, this road trip um, is is all about the momentum and and sort of riding the, the ups and the downs. And 
hopefully we can get a W going into our next game. Yeah, I think you made a good point with Whitehead. One thing, you know, obviously Whitehead's not one of the most skilled players in the roster, but he comes and he brings great energy. I think you yep. always can see when he's on the floor. So I'm surprised, and, you know, obviously he's been bouncing back and forth between the G League, that he hasn't seen a little bit more time or at least some attempts. Because right now, and I'm not trying to hate, I would rather see Whitehead probably get some of the minutes that Kilpatrick's getting because at least Whitehead's going to come in and bring some energy and play hard and play some defense. Yeah, I mean, Kilpatrick's not going to get four steals and two blocks by any means. So um, in terms of something that we've been lacking is our defense. Our, our offense, you know, scoring hasn't necessarily been an issue because, you know, we play, play at such a, a ridiculously high pace. But in terms of getting some activity on the defensive end, Isaiah's, uh, in terms of a guy I'd rather have out there and a guy I'd rather have going into the future, it's definitely Isaiah. Yeah, so maybe he earned himself some minutes. We'll see what happens. And Kilpatrick's just really had a rough start to the season. I think his confidence is a little bit shook, not, you know, getting minutes early on. But you mentioned Zeller. Zeller played a good game last night. You know, he did a good job rolling to the rim, getting some open dunks, and that's really what the Nets need him to do. Right now, Moskov is playing terrible, like we mentioned on the previous pod. I wouldn't be surprised when the Nets are healthy to see his minutes really, really cut down and, you know, not that Zeller's great. Zeller will probably get some of those minutes. Obviously, Allen will be back. He's going to get more minutes, and Booker's going to see a lot of time when he comes back. Yeah, exactly. So in terms of the depth we have there, um, a lot of those guys are out. Um, Rondé, Allen, Booker, you mentioned all those guys. Um, those missing minutes are going to a Tyler Zeller and Moskov right now. Um, there are two healthy bigs. So going into the, the next few games, if we start to get some bodies back, um, It'd be remiss of, of Coach Kenny to continue giving uh, Moskov anything more than 18 minutes a night. Yeah, it's 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 crazy to see Moskov out there for so long. Yeah. All right. All right, moving on from the Nuggets game. Obviously, we're hoping the Nets, they got a tough schedule coming up. They're going to pick up a lot of playoff teams. I think they got Portland on Friday night, Utah on Saturday, and then playoff teams after that. Any hopes in getting a win on this weekend, or do you think it's going to be two tough games in Portland and Utah? Look, there, there's always a chance, Nick. Um, you know, I, 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 Portland uh, might be a bit up and down in terms of our offense might be able to, you know, as long as I think our three-point shot, if it starts to fall in one of those games, I think we're, we can snatch one. Um, you know, by no means will they be easy wins and blowouts by any stretch, but... If we can get a couple of wins on this road trip, it gives us confidence going back home. So I'm hopeful, um, but I'm not very hopeful. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm more hopeful for the Portland game. Obviously, it's the first night of a back-to-back. The only thing maybe we could hope for in Utah is that our offense could just cook and they can't really keep up, but their defense yeah. is so good that it's unlikely for that to happen. We mentioned last week how practice is important. I think the Nets getting a few days to practice will really help them too going into that game you know, kind of give them a little bit more time to prepare. I think a young team, when you can help prepare your young team for the next game, it helps a lot more, Except, you know, instead of expecting them to prepare themselves, especially when you have these guys that haven't even been the year in the league for a year or two. So you want to kind yeah. of help these guys, you know, understand what this guy's trying to do, what he's doing on ball, off ball, where he shoots well, really putting in your homework and studying film. It's obviously harder to do when you want to start to build those habits for young guys now. Yep, and the fact that it's starting now and, you know, it's nice to have an early um, year, early season road trip because, you know, you sort of build those foundations, you build those habits early. Yeah, exactly. So to end this pod, we're going to give you a little bit of a guessing game. 
It's going to be guess this player. I'm going to throw some stats at Jack, and he's going to try to figure out who it is. So, all right, our first all right. guy, we're going to do uh, per 36 minutes. He's averaging okay. 15.9 points, uh, 3.8 rebounds, 1.5 assists, 1.2 steals, shooting 47% from the field and 39% from three. Who is this player? Is it Damari Carroll? No, it is not. He subs in for Damari Carroll sometimes. Is it uh, Alan Crabb? Nope. Third try. Okay, third try and then the buzz is off. Third strike, I'm out. Um, Crabb was close. Is it Joe Harris? It is Joe Harris. Oh, good. I I would have killed myself if I could not have got it the third try. I would not be um, allowed on this pod ever again. Thank God I got it right. Thirty, you know, you're shooting thirty-three percent. Not bad, you know. You're a solid three-point shooter. We're not going to give you a ton of coverage, but we still got to respect you over there. Absolutely. Um, uh, that's basically what we're shooting this season, the Knicks. So I'll, I'll take that. I'm, I'm, I'm emblematic of what the Nets are doing right now. Yes, sir. All right, next player. So this is going to be per one hundred possessions. This player has an offensive rating of one eighteen and a defensive rating of one oh eight. Offense. Okay, so it it, it automatically rules out D'Lo. Um, because Delo's defensive rating is much, much uh, higher than that. Uh, I'm trying to think. It actually isn't, surprisingly. It cut down after probably the Phoenix game. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I, I must be basing... I'm probably basing off the Nets Daily article I saw the other day. That's good. Um, is it Spencer Dinwiddie? Nope. Is it Karis Leverts? Nope. Karis has got the worst on the team. His... 85 offensive rating and 109 defensive rating. His differential is bad. Ouch. Um, is it Damari Carroll? It is Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Oh, my boy. I can't believe it. I should have known that after doing the article on him the other day. I feel bad. I'm bad. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, Rondé's disappointed right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Hyphen. Um, you know, your, your twin in arms, the actual Hyphen, is your, your true net soulmate, not me. I'm sorry, my friend. <laughs> All right, we're going to go with a really hard one. So I'm going to use advanced stats on this. Here we go. So this person has a win shares of 0.2 and a value over replacement player 0.2. Okay. Um, so, is, it Spence, is it Spencer Dinwiddie? No. Is it D'Lo? Yes, it is. Yes. All right, good. See, I get the D'Lo one very quickly because we're, we're meant to be, Nick. It's... Me, me and him are net soulmates. You and you and Ronde and, and you and your boy, um, Karis, you've got your thing going on. So, you know, if we ever make it out to Barclays together, we've got to make sure we, we hook those guys up. Yeah, take them out for a beer. <laughs> I love it. But um, that wraps it up for today. Thank you, Jack, for hopping on. Nets fans, as always, you can listen to us on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, otgbasketball.com. Subscribe, review, let us know what you think, and let us know if there's a topic you want us to talk about. We go hard. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.